0: You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Believe it or not, God has given us the greatest weapon known to man. Today, join Generations Pastor Glenn Wolf as we discover how to use this weapon in our lives today. Our scripture text comes from Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 16. Today's message is entitled, Rediscover Church, Part 1, What Do You Have?
1: A lot of people are making a lot of New Year's resolutions, uh, whether it's to lose weight, whether it's to save more money, whether it's to quit something or start something or whatever. We're going to say, hey, listen, um, how, about, how about you Rediscover Church? How about let's try church again? You know what I'm saying? It's, just, it's a very easy time to just say, hey, listen, fresh near, fresh start, Let's do a fresh life. Like come to church with me this Sunday. So we're going to take the next few weeks and we're going to talk about that. And and uh, so if you could turn your Bibles to Romans chapter one, verse sixteen. Romans chapter one, verse sixteen. I'll have you stand in just a second. And uh, as you're turning there, you know, 2010 could have been a good year. 2010 could have been a bad year. But either way, 2010 is officially last year. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Whether you had the good or the bad. Uh, This is a fresh year, and I've been talking to our lead pastor, Eugene Smith, for the last few weeks about where we're headed this year and what we're about, and I, I, once again, I challenge you, you need, need, I don't even say, like, it'd be a nice thing, you need to come to the Vision Banquet. Um, It sells out every year, you get to hear the Vision here, it's a nice, it's a very nice dinner, and uh, you're going to hear the theme of this year's Vision Banquet is the key to the city. And uh, as I've I've been talking with Pastor, uh, we really made a decision this year that we're going to be all about people. And uh, so just, I mean, just in every way, we are going to be all about, about people. And it's, there's a couple things we're going to do. We're going to talk about that at the Vision Banquet. Make sure you're there, January uh, 16th. And it uh, costs only $15. The second thing is you should have got some tickets as you walked in here this morning. And we have Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. That's coming up January 23rd to the 26th. Uh, we are going to have a, it's, it is absolutely a full production. Uh, this, this same kind of group that comes in, they fly all around the country. Uh, They do they do dramas for churches of 20,000. They do dramas. This we're we're probably one of the smaller churches that they would do Um, But they are they are coming and uh, it is it is going to take every single ounce of this stage We're going to need about 50 people in drama. So if you have any interest in drama uh, You can you can sign up in the back or just find somebody that that works here Um, It's and so it's it's going to be a great opportunity and to uh, present the gospel and to see people really come to Christ and so it's a very, very low maintenance, and, uh, and it, it's just going to be a lot of fun. And uh, it's kind of our way of saying, hey, we're going to be all about people. We're really going to give them a drama. You know, a lot of people maybe, maybe won't come to church on Sunday morning, but they will come see a drama, right? And so most of your friends would come do that, and so you have an opportunity to do that. We're going to pray over those tickets before you leave today. But just look at your neighbor and just say, let's be all about people. Let's be all about people. You know, I see the blessing, eh, even as I was preparing for this message, I see the blessing upon my life personally, this last few weeks, I don't know about you, but it's always kind of a time of reflection for me. I don't have kids yet, so it's a time of reflection. I'm sure once I have children, it'll probably be a time of, I don't, I'm not sure yet what it's going to be like. Oh, it's insanity or right, but right now it's reflection. And uh, me and my wife, we're just thinking about just our our lives and our family and, and 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 our health and just God is so good, you know, like he is so good. And and I just, I got to share just a few testimonies this morning uh, to kind of prove my point that we should be all about people. Um, I just, as I've thought about God being good to not only me, but just those around me, uh, Michelle Borders, I don't know if she's here this morning, but a few weeks ago, if you were here in the third service, you probably found out about this. But she was driving on the way home from Sunday morning service, and uh, she got into a very, very strong uh, car accident in, in which they, they, they rushed her to the ER. They told her that her, that her leg had been shattered in, in multiple areas. Um, well, we we prayed right then. I don't know if you were in that service, but Pastor got up and he said, "Hey, this just happened. Let's pray." And actually, I'm going to pray for somebody else, Barbara Jean, in just a second. She just sees in the hospital. And uh, so we so we were praying. And uh, and then Natalie and I, right after service, we rushed down there. We went to go see her. And we went into there into her uh, hospital room. And I we laid right Natalie. We laid hands on her on her leg, and we just declared healing in Jesus' name. And can I tell you, three hours later, they came back and there was nothing broken in her leg. Give God a praise for that. My, uh, my father-in-law, I just heard the story once again. I went to, out to dinner with my parents and with my wife's parents. My father-in-law had a stroke two months ago. And, uh, it, you know, there's a three-hour window if you know anything about strokes where you can reverse the, uh, the symptoms. And about three hours into it, she, they went to the doctor right away. The symptoms were very clear that it was definitely a stroke. And the doctor just misdiagnosed him, completely misdiagnosed him, told him it was something else, sent him home. He had a stroke for three days. By the, by the end of the third day, um, it, it, he just about, as you, can, as you can tell, he just about, he just about died. And uh, they, they finally rushed him to the ER, and the doctor just had no idea. And, you know, we did. We prayed. And uh, we rushed, of course, me and my wife. My wife was pretty hysteric as her father. And uh, we, we, we went into that hospital room, and, and we prayed. And can I tell you today, if you didn't know it, you probably wouldn't be able to tell that he even had a stroke. I mean, he is almost completely 100% uh, healed in Jesus name can we give God a hand for that here's the deal here's the deal if I wouldn't have told you to give God a hand you might have not even clapped now I'm not saying that's a bad thing what I'm telling you is that you hear this all the time do we not people are getting healed almost every week here at city church like like people are always getting restored it's like okay I've heard it before like tell me when somebody comes back to life you know, that'll be pretty crazy, right? I mean, for the most part, as believers, I'm here to tell you, we're blessed. We are blessed. Like, like, and and as I look at that, as I see the favor of God in my life, in my wife's life, in my family life, in the, in our church, I, I can't not think, I want everybody to experience this blessing. I do, I want the person at Walmart, if your first time first time we're here this morning. I want you to know about it. I want everybody to understand the favor uh, and, 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 the, and the anointing and the blessing of God. Somebody just say amen with me this morning. Man, and, and that's my goal. Me and my wife, we just made this decision this year. We are going to be all about people. I don't want anybody to, to miss his church. I don't want anybody to miss the grace of God. I don't want anybody to miss the love of God and to be able to have a king where no matter what accident you get in, no matter what financial trouble you, you're in, no matter what your family's going through, you have a king that can always, 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 always pull through. That's the, that's the king of kings, of the Lord knows, and I want everybody to know it. And, uh, and so we're, that, that's what we're gonna be about for the next few weeks, about just challenging those people around us to rediscover church. Now, now, can you stand? We're gonna read Romans chapter one, verse 16. I'll give you just a second to stand. We find Paul here in, in Romans, uh, speaking to the Romans in his letter, and we're, we're in chapter one. Now that says some things, because when you're writing a letter, you, you're, you're normally trying to get some fundamental stuff uh, built at the very beginning of your chapter. If you're, if you're a good uh, literary writer, normally what would happen is that your first sentence of a paragraph would mean a lot. It would basically explain, and the, the first chapter of a book, or the first part of a letter, normally explains a lot of the rest of the book. And uh, and so we're here in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, we're only in in just a few verses away from the very, very beginning, And, and we find Paul starting out his letter to the Romans by establishing a strong base and the core fundamentals of what we are to be as believers. In other words, something fundamental in us that all of us carry, that all of us should have, and this is what Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, "'For I am not ashamed of the gospel.'" He's saying to the, Romans, the church of Romans, he's saying to you, City Church, we will not be ashamed of the gospel. There is, no, there is no weapon on this earth. There is no demon of hell. There is no situation. There is nothing that should be able to shame us of the gospel. Somebody say amen. Listen to this. Because it is the power of God. And it brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, than to the Gentile. For in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Can I tell you, your friends do not need church. They need righteousness. We go to church to become more righteous. We don't become righteous because we go to church. We go to church so that we have an opportunity to learn how to be more righteous. We need righteousness, right? Right? And the gospel brings forth righteousness. Righteousness is, is revealed through God because we cannot have righteousness. Righteousness simply means right standing with God. You cannot be right standing on your own. The only way is through Jesus Christ. And the only way to Jesus Christ is through the gospel. That is why it is the power of God. Let me keep reading. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I've entitled this message this morning, What Do You Have? What? What do you have? We're going to pray and uh, pray over this. And also, uh, Barbara Jean, we just found out, literally, that's why I wasn't here at the beginning of the service. But she, she had a surgery apparently last week. She's one of our congregants here. And uh, the surgery was infected. So now she's in the ICU. We just had a staff member go down there, and we told them that we would pray. And so we're going to pray again and see God do a healing, right? Come on. And so, and so I'm, just going to, I'm going to pray for that and pray for the message this morning that God would bless us. Father, we lift up Barbara Jean to you right now. And God, we declare in Jesus' name that she is healed at this very hour. God, we don't need to do any, it's all yours. We just lay her at your feet right now. We speak to that infection. Lord, if if doctors need need to be there, that's fine, but God, you're the ultimate physician, you're the ultimate surgeon, and and God, today, we declare healing over Barbara Jean's life, in Jesus' name. And Father, I lift up this message to you. I lift up up every single person in this room. I, I ask you to speak to us, speak through me today challenge us in your word. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. I've got this putter here. And I don't know, how many of y'all play golf? Anybody play golf in the room? All right. One, two, Keith. Three. All right. Three of you. Great illustration, Glenn. And uh, I've got this putter. I I have this putter here, and it looks pretty crazy. Remember how putters used to be like just a flat stick? This thing looks like it could take off, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, it's just wild. Anyway, I, I went down to the local golf store and I, I love to play golf. I was actually going to teach golf for a living before God got a hold of me. And, um, and so I went down to a local golf store, and I probably spent three hours down at the golf store. I went through every putter. If you've ever been into a golf store, they have about 400 different putters that you could choose from. I walk in there. The guy comes over. He's like, hey, sir, can I help you? I'm like, not now. You know, I'm like, I want a mission. You know, I was like, I'm not going to look at price. I'm, not, I'm just going to figure out if it's a $20 putter. I just, or if it's a $200 putter, I don't care. I just want to know the one that I want, not because it's expensive or because it's cheap, just because, you know? And so I'm down there, and man, I laid ha- hands on this putter, and it was like the gl- the glory was just in the room, you know? And and uh, I started putting it, and I mean, I felt like I made every single one of them. and then I started egging on my wife. Now, she, this was my Christmas present this this uh, Christmas. I started talking to my wife, and I'm like, girl, <laughs> like, if you put that putter into these hands, I will, I will win golf tournaments. You know, Tiger who? I mean, it is just, it is over. I mean, you, you put that putter. I don't mean any other putter. You put this putter in this area, vicinity. I'm telling you, I will make every putt. Just uh, about two months ago, uh, which is uh, last time I played, I played basketball, which has been a while. It's not good and I was playing pickup down in a local park, and, and it was tied up 14-14, and I was feeling good, you know, I was feeling good, and I'm like, we, we get a huddle, because we, the game's to 15, not win by two, straight up, you know, I mean, it was like pressure moment, I felt like Kobe Bryant for a little while, you know, and uh, I bring all the boys in, I'm like, boys, you know, I'm like, honestly, this is really what I did, I'm weird, I'm like, give me the ball, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm feeling it, I'm like, you know, I'm like, call the large, call the fat lady, call, put a fork in it, let her sing. I'm like, count the chickens before they hatch. You put that ball into my hands, and I'm telling you right now, game over, call it a night, victory's coming, it's done. You know, I mean that's what I felt like. They, now, now, they gave me the ball, and somebody stole it, and that's a whole nother thing, but either way, either way, I was like, man, if you put that ball into these hands, You are going to win. We are going to win. And I felt felt like this morning, sometimes as believers, I think we forgot what God's put in our hands. Sometimes we forgot. It's like like we're up here saying, God, you know, if you put something in my hands, man, I'll do something crazy. And he's like, I've given you so much. And I want to talk to you this morning just about what you have. What do you you have this morning? God has given you the most powerful weapon known to man, and it's called the gospel. Let me just say that one more time. You can amen that a little louder, all right, for me. God has given you the most powerful weapon known to man. It's the gospel. Can I tell you, it is the only weapon that can change hearts. There's no other weapon. There's no military weapon. There's no other thing on this earth that can change hearts except the gospel because it leads people to Jesus Christ, and you have it, and it's, it is not just good news, it is the greatest news 500 years ago, it's the greatest news today, and it's the greatest news 500 years from now. There is no better story, and can I tell you, God did not, did not give you in this Christian life some ugly looking putter. Man, he gave you the cat's pajamas, you know, the the whole shebang. He gave you the gospel. What I'm trying to tell you is that the gospel is not this dilapidated story that you have to try and like fluff up so that it's good. It's incredible. It, It is, we don't, we don't need a bunch of, we don't need a bunch of junk to kind of make it what, I mean, just the rawness of the gospel is power. What do you have this morning? We have the gospel. Listen, that's why, that's why Paul's saying in Romans chapter 1. He says, guys, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. You know, the primary mission of being a, a Christian is to share the gospel. It's not to sing a bunch of hymns. I, I, I wonder what God thinks when we get up and we sing, and we need to sing those songs, no doubt about it. The latter will be greater, the latter will be greater. Thousands of people are dying and going to hell, but the latter will be greater. I won't go outside the church and reach anybody, but I'll sing, the latter will be greater. Does that make sense? That, I'm not saying don't sing that song. I'm not saying don't believe for the best. But what I'm saying is let's put some, some feet to what we're singing and declare the gospel over the lives of everybody around us. And I just I feel like, I feel like we've got to get back to the point where we're all about, all about people. And when I really gave my life to Christ, it was, uh, it was my freshman year of college. and I, I mean, I definitely knew God before, but I was all in when it came to my freshman year of college. And I mean, I was fully committed, to the whole deal. Can I tell you, when that moment happened, there was a, a deposit. The Bible says in Ephesians, it talks about a Holy Spirit deposit. It's a seal of your salvation. Can I tell you, I felt it. I could not shut up about the gospel. I couldn't, be, you, you, know, you know what it is to share the gospel, it's just being a witness of what you know. How, how many of how y'all have flown to the moon? No, nobody? How, how many of y'all have flown to the moon? Nobody? Okay, so listen, you, you can't, there's no gospel there. You can't preach that. Um, you, there's, you're not a witness of going to the moon. You could talk about somebody going to the moon, but you're not a witness of that. Listen, we are a witness of what we know. And so you know, you know what, that tells, what that tells me today is that if you know Christ, you will be a witness of it. What I'm trying to say today is that if you are at a place where you never, ever have a motive to ever talk about Christ, there's a chance that you might not know him. And you, you can come to know him today. It's the truth. There is, a, there is, a, there is something that comes alive in us. When we become, it, it's the beauty of salvation. Everything changes in our life. Our whole life is now different because of Jesus coming into our life. All of a sudden you want to pray when you didn't want to pray before and you don't understand why and your husband can't, doesn't understand or your spouse doesn't understand. Why in the world do you want to pray now? And you're like, I don't know. Just, it's, it's my life now. This is what I do. I pray. I don't even know what, I, you want to give in the offering. Why do you want to give in the offering? Because it's just what you do. You're a believer and it's, it's this deposit inside of you that becomes alive. And, and 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 that happens when we give our heart to Christ. And if you have no desire to tell people about Jesus, then either then either you've never been born again or you've created a really hard heart and you need God to mold you once again because there's no deposit. And can I just challenge you today? If you haven't led somebody to Christ in a while, you forgot how good it feels. Oh man. I told somebody that the first service, this lady came up to me crying after service. and said, you're so right. I don't mean like, listen, I, and I, we're going to challenge you to invite cards, but I'm talking about you walk up to somebody, and you know what I'm talking about. Somebody can agree with me in just a second. But you know what I'm talking about. You walk up to somebody, they don't like you, they don't like God, they don't like church, they don't like nothing, and you, after dinner, after dinner, you invite them to your small group, you go get them coffee, you hang out with their family, you, you, you accept them exactly. All, all of a sudden, they take this process. And all of a sudden there's that moment where it's outside the church or maybe it's maybe you lead them to the altar and man, they're weeping in your arms and they're crying and they're giving their heart to Christ. And then all of a sudden, three months down the road, they're in your small group and you're connecting with them and then all of a sudden, three months down the road, they're like, hey, what's this whole tithe thing? I'm nervous about it. And then you lead them in, on how to have a blessed life. And, and so, and, and all of a sudden, a year down the road at the end of 2011, all of a sudden they're sitting next to you saying, let's win some more people. Can I tell you, there's nothing, if you haven't done that, in a while, oh, it feels so good, it, it could, because it's one of the greatest fulfillments that we have. It's been too long. So I want to take you to John chapter 1, real quick. John chapter 1, verse 40, if you could turn there with me. John chapter 1, verse 40. I want to take you back to the very beginning where the gospel all started in John chapter 1. Now, normally we think, okay, well, the gospel is about Jesus dying and then coming, coming back, and that is true. But we, we see a very, very clear biblical pattern on how to share the gospel, and we find it, in literally the first chapter of John, Jesus just shows up on the scene, and we're picking up at verse 40. You ready? Here we go. The Bible says this. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, watch this. This is so good, was one of the two who heard what John had said. Of course, John is, is the one that prepared the way for Jesus, so he said, listen, I'm not the Christ. Jesus is coming. I'm just preparing the way. So he says, uh, he says, uh, I'm sorry, where am I at? He said, uh, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. Verse 41, the first thing, listen to this, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and what? Tell him. Can you underline that? Tell him. What did he tell him? What, you know, you hear that, you hear Pastor Eugenia, you hear a preacher or somebody go, man, we just need to go tell people about Christ. Well, what do you say? You know, is there five steps? It's very, very simple. You know what you tell them? What you know. You tell them your story. It's that simple. Listen, man, January 2nd, that redhead preacher was up there, and I just felt a tug of God, and he, and he led this altar call, and that day I gave my heart to Christ, and I've never looked back, and you can do the same, right? It's that simple. And whether you've had a Christian, whether you've known God for 10 years and you've got all the theology in the world, or whether you've known God for 10 minutes, either way, you have a story, and that is your gospel. You tell the story. Everybody say, tell the story. So listen, what does he say? He says, we have found the Messiah. We found the Christ, right? I went to city church, I got saved, right? I mean, it's that simple. And then it says this, verse 42. And then what does it say? And he brought him to Jesus. So you tell the story, you bring them to Jesus. Andrew told his story, and then he brought him to Jesus. Let's, Let's keep reading. Then the Bible says in verse 43, it says, Jesus looked at him, Simon, and he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Of course, we know that that is the Apostle Peter. What I'm trying to tell you this morning, look at this, that Peter would have never become the Apostle Peter if Andrew would have never shared with him his story. If Andrew would have never opened up his mouth and just said the little bit that he knew, he just just found God. He didn't have 10 years of experience with God. God never told him to do this. This is just what happens when you become a believer. All of a sudden, you want to tell people about Christ. And so he walks over there and he says, I found Christ. And because he told him that, and because he led him to Jesus, now all of a sudden, we have the Apostle Peter which of course we see chapters down the road, Jesus looks at him and he says, you're the rock that I'm gonna build my house on. Thank God for Andrew. Thank God for Andrew. Thank God that Andrew opened up his mouth and shared the gospel. Let's let's keep reading. We're gonna see this this pattern once again. Verse 43, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip, everybody say Philip. So now we're switching it to Philip. He said to him, follow me. So Philip follows him. Listen to what he says. Watch this. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Beth- Bethsaida. And then immediately, listen, look, look at this. It says, Philip found Nathaniel and what? Okay. Jesus never walked up to Philip and said, hey, Philip, can we pull aside for a second? Here's your 10 steps. This is what you need to do. You need to go find people. You need to go raise people. You need to go reach them. You got to keep them. You know, you got to win people to Christ. You got to love them. He didn't say anything. This is just what happens when you start following Christ. You see what I'm saying? There's not like a method. I mean, we could talk about methods and how to, how to debate with people, but nobody can debate with you with your story. Every single person can leave this room today and actually understand how to share the gospel. It's so simple. And listen, look at this. He, he automatically, the first thing Philip does as he follows Christ, the first thing, he doesn't sit down and worship Jesus. He doesn't do anything. He finds Nathaniel on his own, and he tells him, what does he tell him? Once again, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Once again, what did he do? He told a story, right? We found Christ. I went to, I went to City Church January 2nd, and I found Christ, baby. I want to tell you about it. Let's go get coffee. Come on. No, man. And listen, listen to what Nathaniel says. How many of y'all have heard this? Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? How many, how many times have you talked to somebody and they say, hey, you want to go on a, you want to go out on my boat this Sunday? And you go, well, uh, nah, we can't. Our, our family, we're believers. We go, to, we go to church on Sunday morning. Oh, man. Can anything good come from there? I've tried that. I went there when I was like five years old. I did this missionettes thing. and ah. I mean, they just, don't they just want your money? I mean, it just seems like it's just a whole thing for hope, you know, just giving people false hope and so that they have something to look forward to and be a part of something. Have you not heard this? This is not said all the time. Many of you might have even said it at some point. You said, listen, is church even real? Listen, listen to what he says. Listen to what Philip says. Verse 46, what did he say? Come and see. How about we check this out again? How about we re- rediscover church again? Hey, were you hurt in a church? You won't be hurt in our church. You know, you know and, I, and a lot of times we can say, you know, listen, there might be, some, I'm sure there are hypocrites in our church. But there are some really great people in our church too i told somebody the other day we were talking about church and i said you know the church full of people and people stink <laughs> ain't it the truth we all we all have our faults we have some good stuff but we all, we all got got our issues you know and you put a bunch of people the bigger the church the more the more it stinks you know in essence and uh but but you know but the simplicity of it is that there are a lot of great people in this church. And you can look past the faults of some, of some that just come to church and just play church, and they don't really get involved. But can I tell you, you can stand assured and say, listen, I don't know what church you go to, but if you come to City Church, you, you will find God. You can rest assured to say that. I, man, and, I, and I'm, the, I'm the generations pastor here. I talk to young people, and they, they, they're thinking about coming to our church or whatever, and I just say, listen, I don't know about every other church, but I'm telling you, you come to this church, and you, have a, you, you can and will find God. No doubt about it. Amen? And, and that's that boldness that's got to come in us. That comes back to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where we got to say, you know, I'm not going to be ashamed of this. I'm not going to be ashamed of the, of, of the areas are, and, and maybe our church that are weak or whatever. I'm going to stand firm and I'm going to say, listen, man, come to our church. Come and see what God is doing. Those, those tickets, if you have those tickets, it's a very easy way of just saying, hey, listen, come and check it out. Check it out. It's very easy when somebody's got a bum knee and they're going through something. You say, hey, listen, come on Sunday, Sunday morning. Let's pray for you. Amen. Come on, man. i shoot, if I, if I got a bum knee, if my leg is broken, and you invited me to church to come heal it, I'm going to come to church. I don't care how much, how much I thought it was silly or whatever. And, uh, and God will touch them. He's, he's God. He's got to heal them. You don't have to do it. You just have faith, right? All right, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are awesome. I got to keep moving on. So then Jesus says in verse 47, he says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. And Nathanael, from a distance, goes, how do you even know me? Wow. What does he say? Listen to this. Watch this. Jesus answered, Philip, I mean, Nathanael, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip ever even called you. I saw you. Nathanael looks back, and he declares in verse 49, he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. How many Nathanaels are around you this morning? How many Nathaniels are at your work or at your place or at, at 7-Eleven or, or at, the, at Walmart or wherever you are? How many Nathaniels are there where they would say, listen, man, can anything good come from there? And all of a sudden they come to Christ because you don't give up on them because you're bold about it because you're not ashamed of the gospel. And all of a sudden they come to Christ and they, they get to the place where they look at you and go, my God, he's real. My God, this is real. My life will never be the same. Can I tell you, you know what this story, this story reassures me of something this morning? Is that the gospel, you might want to write this down, starts and ends with God. The gospel starts and ends with God. You know, you know what you are this morning? You're just a doorway. Jesus is the door. You know what your job in this Christian life is to do? Your job is very, very simple. You love God, you honor Him with everything you've got, you got. got, you protect your family, you raise good kids, you know what you do? You simply walk across the room. All you are is a doorway. You walk over. Hey, can I tell you about my life? I'll buy you coffee. Let's talk about it. You know what? And that walk is not easy. It's uncomfortable, right? It's not easy. You got, you got two kids in your back seat. You're filling up at 7-Eleven. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, hey, I want you to talk to that person right next to you. And you look at your kids, you go, my God, are you kidding me? Right? That's that moment. All you are is the doorway. He's the door and he wants to reach that person. And he called them before you ever even talked to them. That's, that's what I'm telling you. The gospel starts and ends with God. He already, he already does all the work. He does all the transformation power before you ever even show up on the scene. All you do is just get out of your comfort zone just like Jesus did, he was sitting on the right hand of the Father, and he decided to get out of his comfort zone and come die for our sins. We're following Christ and being uncomfortable, and we, we take those steps of uncomfortability. We walk over to somebody, and we say, hey, listen, I know this is crazy, but I just felt like God wanted to t- wanted me to tell you this. Can I tell you my story in two minutes real quick? I know you're busy. I, can I, I'll pay for your gas. Just hear me. Hear me right now. And all of a sudden, you just lead them over, and like I said, the gospel starts and ends with God. So you walk them over to the door, and you lead them through a sinner's prayer, and it's real simple. And I, everybody can do that in this room. You know what? Can we practice real quick so that you know how to pra- how you know how to give somebody a sinner's prayer? I want you to repeat after me. Let's just say, I'm going to save my wife real quick. Hey, you want to get saved? All the story, all the stuff. Come on, baby, just stand up. I want to embarrass you some more. Okay, now we're, we're gonna we're gonna lead. I'm gonna lead my wife into a sinner's prayer. Okay, it's real simple. We're out at 7-Eleven. There's the gas tank, and and, and Tom's playing keys at 7-Eleven right now. Hey, 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 can we just, can we pray right now? I know this, I know this might be really weird and it's, we're 7-Eleven and I smell like gas, but can we do that? Good. Well, let's pray. Father, could you, I'm sorry, I need to tell you to repeat after me. Can you repeat (laughs) after me? Okay, that's all you gotta do. Okay, here we go. You ready? You guys can help me too if you want, okay? Father, Father, I recognize that you are God and I'm not. I also recognize that I am a sinner and I fall short of you. But today, I ask that Jesus would come into my life and make me new. Jesus, forgive me of my sins, wash me new, and I will follow you all the days of my life. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, amen. Can I get you a Bible? Here, here's a Bible. Can I get you a cell phone? Here. (laughs) Here, you want TJ? Here, here's TJ, okay? <laughs> hey, you better watch out It's my wife all right now. <laughs> listen, all you are is a doorway. It's very simple, everybody can do this. You don't have to lead somebody, listen, it's, it's way cooler to lead somebody to Christ outside of church. Okay, then you bring them in church, it's just a really cool feeling. I wanna leave you with this, uh, this last little illustration or story. Uh, this past week, Natalie and I, we, we had the week off and so we decided to do nothing. Like as much as possible, very rarely in ministry do we really ever get a full week off. Normally, the holidays are actually more require more attention than normal. Uh, Easter for you might be a slight of a kind of a weekend break for uh, for me. It's probably the most um, the, probably the most time-consuming weekend. It's just the way it works in ministry, and we're, we're grateful for it. This last week, we really had an opportunity to be off, and we loved it. And and so we decided, we're like, man, we're going to do dinner and we're going to hang out. We're going to be with friends and family. And we did a lot of that. But one thing we also did, we had a video game rental, a free video game rental. And uh, I'm not a very big video game person. I know I'm a youth pastor and I probably should be more involved in that. But I just don't really like video games that much. We went, we went ahead and rented uh, a, a great game called uh, Monopoly. How I many y'all played Monopoly before? All right. It, it, it's on the Wii, which is a very cool game, actually. And uh, can I just tell you, I am a ruthless, ruthless Monopoly player. I've I probably played more Monopoly this week than I've ever played in my whole life, probably more than everybody in this room. I Honestly, we probably played with 30 different people this week. I mean, I was bringing over four different people there. I'm like, you want some of this? You know, I'm like, shoot, you can't touch the wagon. You know, I'm like, what? You know, and... Uh, and, and so, and, and actually I brought uh, Keenan and Austin over, which are Pastor Eugene and Laura's sons. And, and uh, I, I told him, I said, bring your dad. I said, you know, bring Pastor. And, and I already had it planned out what I was going to say because I was hoping he was going to come because it would have been hardcore then. I probably would have lost my job. <laughs> and uh, so I was, I was going to walk up to, I, literally, this is exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, Pastor, for the next three hours, you are not Pastor. Except for the next three hours, you ain't even Eugene Smith. You are the wheelbarrow, and I'm taking you down, you know. <laughs> Like, I don't care what, you know, I'm like, I'm ruthless. And uh, I consider myself to be a graceful guy. But when it comes to that, man, I'm just horrible. You know why? Because I want a deal. Man, they're like trying to trade me, like, you know, get out a free jail card and, you know, boardwalk. I'm like, man, you got to give me more money. I want a deal, you know. And isn't it so true in our American culture? We want deals, you know. Uh, can I just take you like four weeks ago or five weeks ago to Black Friday? <laughs> like, like, I, I, tw- I, I, I Twittered. And I was like, it's like we turn for one day a year, America turns into like hyenas. And we go crazy because we want a deal. And it's the truth, isn't it? You know, let me, let me just, you're at Walmart right this afternoon. And all of a sudden there's a parking space. It's like three spaces out from the very front. You're like, oh, glory. Oh, glory. And all of a sudden there's a car. And then you see the other, you know, you got your car. And then that car, and all of a sudden you're like, click. You, know, you got your right, right blinker on. You're like head headlighting them. You're like, girl. And I'm like, girl, get out and fight them. You know, like, yeah, go get them, baby. you know. And uh, you know, that's exactly what happened. Why? Because we want to deal. Because God gave us that parking space. Oh glory, right? I mean, it, no matter what it is, ladies, you know, Black Friday. There's there's a bunch of camis or something. I don't know. And there's one more and it's your size. And there's three people looking and you're like, you know, you're like, you know, like, ready to ready to lay somebody out or whatever the case. Because we want to deal, right? And, what, and, and the Holy Spirit has prompted me because I feel like a lot of times we can take that monopoly approach with people, always wanting a deal. Man, well, I would talk to them, but what's in it for me? You know, Is this worth it? Is this worth my time? Is, I would buy their coffee, but what am, what am I going to get out of it? You know what happens is that we, be, we completely nullify God's great weapon of the gospel in our lives. And what happens is that we're always trying to get a deal. 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 And all of a sudden, we want to get deals with people. And then we become this defensive-minded Christian, always on the defense. Ah, I don't know. I don't, want to, I don't want to be that vulnerable. I don't want to do that. My family might get upset with me. I might do this. I might do this. I might do this. Instead of being offensive-minded and saying, you know what? I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to love people unconditionally because all I am is just a doorway. And I'm called to reach people and I will not be ashamed. We will not be ashamed. You know, Jesus Christ did not come to make a deal. He came to give give one. And it's the greatest deal in the whole world. It's the greatest story ever told and it's the gospel. And we share that gospel and people will rediscover church. They will rediscover Jesus. This church will be bigger. This church will be better. And we will, have more, we will have more influence all because of us making a decision today and opening our mouths and sharing the gospel. Amen. Let's stand and pray this morning.
0: Thanks for listening to this message, Rediscover Church, Part 1. What do you have? With Generations Pastor Glenn Wolf For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call